Consider this, 100% of owners will leave their business one day, but few are prepared. Are you? Don't worry, you're in the right place with this podcast, Succession Stories. Host Lori Barkman, the business transition Sherpa, guides you from transition to transaction, from building value in your business to letting go. Lori is a business transition and M&A advisor, specializing in growth, acquisitions, and selling owner-led companies. She's also the author of the Business Transition Handbook. Get your copy and learn how to avoid succession pitfalls and create valuable exit options. Sign up for a business transition newsletter at successionstories.com. Show us the love by subscribing to the show and posting a review. We appreciate you. Now, here's this week's Succession Stories with Lori Barkman. When it comes to family business succession, will dysfunction prevail? Eva Fisher was the chair of the family business Brunada, one of Scandinavia's largest clean tech companies and at the helm during its turnaround. Eva talks candidly with me about how the business consumed the family and caused relationships to become dysfunctional. Family problems became company problems, and there was a negative spiral. Eva was the dark horse in a succession process that eventually led to the sale of the 450-plus employee business to a strategic buyer in Germany. Now, as a family business advisor and speaker, Eva serves on the board of Family Business Network Denmark and promotes openness about succession. Like Eva points out, and as I wrote about in my book, The Business Transition Handbook, there are better paths you can take by having strong communications, succession planning, and good governance. Enjoy this Succession Stories episode about how sibling rivalry disrupted the succession of a family business with Eva Fisher. Eva, welcome to Succession Stories all the way from Denmark. I'm so excited to speak with you today. Thank you, and the same to you. I'm also excited to do this podcast. As I told you, I spent a wonderful six months in Denmark when I was in college, and I have a very fondness, a big fondness for Denmark. And your story is going to be a very interesting one, not only because there's an international element, but because you're going to be sharing some things from an honesty standpoint that maybe we don't always hear about family businesses. And we're going to get to a point of authenticity that I appreciate. So right up front, I wanted to say thank you for that because so many people come on and say, oh, everything's been great. You share the real story. So let's dive in. Tell us about you. How did you get your beginnings with your family business? Back in the very beginning, the family business came into our family in uh, 65 when my dad started working there. So he like adopted the company as an extra child. So we grew up with it. But I am basically educated as a sailmaker. And I have been living in Norway since I took that education, had my own sail loft, and I was never going to work in the family business. But during the years, then I found out that life would maybe be easier or better if I joined the family business instead of being a sailmaker. A sailmaker, meaning these are big sailboats, right? Yeah, I I made sail for the sailboats. 
and incredible it's you don't meet people very often who are sale makers this is a craft this is a skill that you needed to learn right yeah yeah learning by doing or what you can it's an education but but you're working most when you're taking your education and only have a few weeks in school and uh, i moved to norway because no sale makers in denmark wanted to hire women or female uh, pupils amazing um, and this was in the 70s or yeah. 87 87 okay mm. wow even 87 denmark much more liberal now that would never happen correct i would think no today. i mean <laughs> I, I i i saw it actually back then also that denmark was quite liberal but not in this case and norway was far more and norway is still far more liberal than denmark and your family's business you had chosen not to go in what what were what were they doing we had a, uh, a company called Proneta, which is doing heat cost allocation and selling heat cost meters and also develop heat cost meters. It's a European system mostly. In Denmark, uh, there has been a law saying uh, that all places where you share a common heat source, you have to measure how much heat you use. So you, you will have a focus on getting the use of the heat down because then you can save some money and also you can save the environment so tell us about the family situation so your father acquired the company and there's yourself and siblings yeah i have uh, three siblings one little sister and little brother and a big brother and of course my mom and, and everyone uh, were they in the, all in the business yeah the, when i started working there all my siblings were involved and my dad was still involved it was in uh, 2007, approximately. Okay, so the birth order, I think, is important here. Oh, eldest is a boy? The eldest is a boy, then it's me, a girl, and number three is a boy, and number four is a girl. Okay, so you were the odd person out. You were the only one that wasn't in the business? Yeah, but, but uh, my youngest brother, he had been in the business since he left school. And uh, my sister has taken some education uh, beside, and also my big brother, he was out educating himself as an engineer and working other places. Gotcha. So we've set the stage. So now we are, so we're in the 90s. You're a sailmaker. You're in Norway. You have some siblings in the company. Your dad's the CEO and he's running it. How are things going? What's happening? Uh, at the moment, it's, uh, it's still a very popular member of our Sunday dinner. It's a good company and we are very proud of it. It's in our heart. And uh, my, my dad succeeds to, succeed to achieve it by it in uh, 90, yeah, 91, I think. And uh, at the same time, we also um, did some succession. Me and my siblings got 15% shares each and suddenly became owners, which is a next level. And uh, you can always, often I think you can see that when you get the shares, you also feel like you have some more power or some more to say or some more to demand. And I think no one was prepared for that because it was just a, a, a guess from my dad that he thought that, okay, it would be nice that my kids will be more involved in some kind of way. So there was no conversation did he sit you all down and 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 explain this is equity in the business these are my expectations for you 
when you said succession, what does that entail? You meant maybe the ownership succession as opposed to leadership succession? We hear about succession is just that we get that we get fifteen percent shares each. Okay, so more from an maybe an estate planning side of things, he was willing up front to gift mm. percentages mm. to all of you, but you all had an equal share. We so all had an equal share. Equal share, the siblings. Okay, so he's running the company. You have an equal share, and he's got the majority vote. So he's good health running the company. Is the company in good health? Does it stay in good health? Yeah, and the company is at that moment in good health. You know, my dad, he was not very, very focused on making a lot of money. He was very focused on having fair heat cost allocations to the inhabitants. So he was very focused on having very accurate meters made. And then there should be just a minor plus on the bottom line every year. And the money was reinvested in the company. So, so um, yeah, very good, healthy company, but also like on the line of you shouldn't do many foods where it's tipping over because the bottom line is not very high. So there wasn't um, a lot of growth. It's just sort of stable business. Yeah, it was a stable business. This episode is sponsored by the best-selling book, The Business Transition Handbook. How to avoid succession pitfalls and create valuable exit options. Business owners will learn how to navigate the emotional and practical nature of the transition process to avoid exit regrets. It's crucial to start planning when time is on your side so you don't leave money or your happiness on the table. Reading this book, you'll have Lori Barkman, the business transition Sherpa, guiding you along the way. To download a free copy, Head to thebusinesstransitionhandbook.com. That's thebusinesstransitionhandbook.com today. What point did you decide to enter? What were the circumstances? <laughs> when I decided to enter the company, already my siblings, as I said, was working there. I was working at the same maker. I had my own business. I had two small kids. The sailing business was more and more. We had yeah more and more changed into that sales were made in the Far East, so we couldn't compete with the salary, and the prices was really going down on the sales. So so it was very hard to make the end meet in the every month. And then I found out that if I went into the family business, maybe I could work a little less, and at least have a salary where I knew what I had every month and what I could expect. It was not because I have these and these skills I went into the business. It was more like I could have an easier life and I could see that my siblings were there and and they had higher what salary was, than I could make. So, so what was the dynamic <laughs> when you came in? Were, were they excited to welcome you in or was there resistance? Hmm. At that moment, I uh, asked my dad. I said, I am thinking about closing down the sale of joining the company. And what do you think about that? Yeah, that would be a good idea. And I asked him, what do you want me to do? And he said, you can choose. So I chose to be in the Norwegian sales and service company, which we had. It was a very small, tiny uh, organization. We were only five people working there. And uh, I became the manager. And uh, But because it was so small, I also did all other things that we were doing, selling the meters, mounting the meters, doing the heat cost allocation. And it fitted me 
well to do that because it was maybe also a little close to being a sailmaker uh, because yeah working on the floor so at that moment it was okay but quite fast i found out that we had some issues with the meters and they was not totally wrong but they didn't send it was uh there was a radio sender in and they didn't send so we didn't get the measurements so we had to go out manual to read them and then we had to change them and the new meters we put in was also having some issues so i contacted the headquarters in Denmark where my siblings were and where my big brother was had become the CEO and I was trying to point out the issues that we had and at that moment I think that he felt like then I was the little sister how should I know and I was just a sailmaker and uh, I was annoying asking for yeah pointing out that we have some issues we have to correct them so so we started having some heavy argues more i think as siblings than as colleagues and uh, it was definitely not constructive and was it contained to the two of you or did your dad get pulled in did your other family members get pulled in or was it just between you and your brother it was between me and my brother okay mostly. and was he technically yeah. your boss he was technically my boss yeah okay so he yeah. didn't want to hear this bad news he was shooting the messenger mm. what what happened after that we continued the discussions and i continued cooling people in the headquarters so i was when i couldn't disturb him i could disturb other about the issues at at the moment because we didn't have any rules about how we were working together and and we didn't have the governance about okay he is technically my boss but if i know all the other people i can cool then i just did that and i think that that also disturbs the company so so it doesn't only disturb the relationship between me and my brother or me as a manager in Norway and he as a CEO it also disturbs the company in general they can feel the tension building and i and i know that's a very uncomfortable place to be how did you get through that tough time what ended up happening were you able to push through or did one of you want to capitulate I, yeah i uh ended up because it became too hard and also I didn't want to put my name on things which was not working I was never thinking about selling my part or anything but but I decided to stop working there and accidentally we uh, at that moment my dad also knew that we had issues me and my brother but uh, at the day when I went to Denmark to deliver my resignment or to deliver to deliver my uh, what i was working with to other people to take it over my dad asked my brother to leave wow he asked him to leave yeah and it was coming like lightning from a clear sky we was not expecting that what a shock yeah. and and your brother was probably angry and devastated and mad at you blaming you right yeah i think that he thought that i was coming there because i knew that this was going to happen because i was there that specific day but also we didn't uh, it became a very stressful situation of course suddenly we had like a company with 450 employees and a lot of customers and no manager and i was in denmark i mean i had my last day of work i was going to denmark and i was going to go back to norway to be with my kids and my husband and starting a new life and i just called my husband to say that sorry i just know when i when i arrived back to norway because we have an issue here 
What was your father asking you to do? Was he asking you to step in as CEO? No. Uh, What we uh, actually did was that we had one person who had been working in the company for many, many years, who was also in the management. And we asked him to be the CEO until we found the CEO that we want to continue with. So he uh, stepped in. Okay. And then the three siblings, as me and my two little sister, little brother, and my dad, and this CEO, we started finding out what is the situation, how does the company look like, how is the financials, how is everything going? And of course, also started informing the board and the employees and the bank and the customers and everything which you need to do in that situation. And and sometimes I use a, a short story to just to describe how extremely, I mean, stressful, but also um, mentally uh, or brainfully stressful it was because I was in Denmark and I was not supposed to stay there, but I had to stay because of the situation. And my son, who was at that moment 10 years old, he had a writing lesson, um, I think, day two or something like that in Norway and I was just like I have to go to I have to go to Norway I have to follow him through the writing lesson um and it was like I I took the last train to the airport and took the very early plane in the morning went to uh, our house followed him to the writing lesson took him back and flew back to Denmark and it was totally crazy it was like (laughs) that is crazy I, I could have Maybe he could have dropped that lesson or I could have asked hundreds of people to take him there. But but it was like uh, everything was just, every thoughts and every plans and every actions was just put in a basket. And it everything was important. It was a family was important. My kids were important, the company. And and you just have to pick, okay, on this, on this note, it says, okay, I have to do this. Yeah, you definitely so. were compartmentalizing because there was a lot of stress and there was a lot of pulls on your time, no, no doubt, geography, family, and mm-hmm. then the situation with your father and your brother. Did your father have a succession plan in mind should your brother retire? Was he already planning that this internal manager would be a successor? Or this was truly an emergency situation? It was truly an emergency uh, situation. We didn't have any plans. Okay. Okay. At all. So you had mentioned to me offline that bringing in an outside CEO was also the opportunity to professionalize the office, professionalize the role. It sounds like the financials were also in a bit of turmoil at this mm. time that the mm. business was a, in a bit of a crisis. Did you end up staying to help turn it around? What ended up happening? Yeah, I stayed or I traveled back and forward to Norway so I could take my son to the riding lessons. No, <laughs> I started I started going back and forward. So I were in Denmark or I were in our sales and service companies in Europe um, like four days a week. Um, so... For my family back home and for my kids, it was also a, a, a totally new way of living because normally I had been, I had my sail loft in my house or just beside my house. So I, I was normally always there. So one day to the other, just not there, four days a week. And uh, I became a part of the management group and I was a part of the board. 
and I was the deputy chairman of the board. And uh, after this happened in May uh, 2011, and in November 11, we uh, hired the first external uh, CEO. And he stayed for two years. And in that, in that period of time, uh, we were starting the turnaround. We were starting fixing the meters. We were starting, uh, yeah, also the financial. And I, I actually, um, we had we had a sales and service company in China. And uh, I found out that they were absolutely not making any money. It was just the big miners. And, and I was very, uh, I became very angry about that because I was always pushed about Norway. Why Norway didn't do it better and stuff like that. And then I saw we had this tiny little place so far away, which was just dragging out money from the company. So I just said, okay, I go to China. I will find out how we can uh, solve this issue down here. And um, so I went there and I went there three times and uh, I quite fast decided that we can't continue here. Um, so we handed it over to the, day, uh, to, the, um, to the manager. He took over the company, so it was his. And, um, and uh, so then we could focus on the sales and service companies which were in Europe and not so far away. If we flash forward a little bit to the company selling how did the family decide to sell the business to sell Brunata? what was the dynamic there we came and uh, we we were doing this um i i just step a little back even that you want to have me a little faster forward <laughs> no uh we we um in 2013 we professionalized the board because we had at that moment uh, a family board we, the, it was the same family member sitting in the board who was also in the management group so I left the management group and, and uh, together with my dad, and we had three external members of the board, and my siblings left the board. And I think that's very important to mention because then at that moment, it also became more easy to be the CEO. So you didn't have the same people managing you that you have to manage. I think that's a dead end. And then in uh, 2015, we came out with a quite big minus. Uh, due to that we have been uh, fixing a lot of things. But uh, the bank didn't like that. And they said, okay, then we take part in your shares or um, so that you can do nothing with the shares. Uh, so you can we can like handcuff you if in, in due to how you're working. And uh, my siblings, my two youngest youngest uh, younger siblings uh, became a little afraid that if we didn't succeed, then maybe we had to leave our homes also because it was privately owned shares. So then, and for that reason, we decided to go into a selling process. And in US dollars, approximately, how big was the company at that time? Uh, we were having a revenue of uh, approximately $40 million. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So it's a very big company and you put it on the market. Talk about the process of selling. Was that a difficult process because of the, the family dynamic? Were people in agreement on the buyer? Yeah, I think the selling process in itself was not difficult. It was quite, I, I found it very uh, 
life-giving and if you can say funny learning um we spent two and a half year in the selling process where we also finalized the turnaround my siblings stopped working in the company uh in 2015 when we took the decision and i became the chair uh, and my dad together with another one became the deputy chairman so i was responsible for the sale of the company and uh, we we started the process in 15, but we didn't put it in C before in 18. So no one knew, no one, not, no one knew that we were going to sell the company. Okay. And yeah. who eventually you found a strategic buyer, a, a pretty significant player in Europe, correct? Mm, yeah, it was. Yeah, he had been working with us back before the 90s. He had been a customer of Bornata in Germany. Um, but a very wealthy family and, uh, and dealing with exactly the same that we, that Bonita is doing in Germany. So a privately held company in Germany bought, yeah. bought Bonita. That's a good family story. Business. Yeah. A family business. And, and you remained on the board or did you retire from the board when the deal went through? When the deal went through, I was one year in the board, at the board, but we didn't have, I mean, then suddenly Bruneta was a sales and service company to their company in Germany. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we didn't have any board meetings or anything like that. Gotcha. So if you could go back in time and give yourself a message at the roughest point, whatever the lowest point was, what would that lowest point be? And what would you say to yourself? I think that if we had, uh, yeah, I can say to myself, but I think basically if, if we had been more professional, more structural or more govern had more governance, in the company at the moment, then I thought, then I think we would also have succeeded having more, more meetings, uh, which would be uh, where we could achieve something instead of having meetings arguing. So it would have been better for the company. Yeah. When do you think family businesses should start transition planning to choose the right successor for the ownership? Very early. <laughs> Yeah. What does that mean? Very 10 good. years, 20 years? I think years. already when you take over the company, then you have to start thinking about how will you prepare it for the future. And I think also it's very, very important that, that because, uh, because we were a family of four siblings who all of us had a lot of knowledge about the company. And when you put in the successor, the one who is taking the lead, uh, sometimes you can have the problem that this person will be feeling that he is a chosen 